I was watching The Last Dance with my sons and I realized though it was about Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen and the Chicago Bulls, one of the biggest factors of the Chicago Bulls was Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was the leader, the coach. He's the person, as soon as he stepped on to that team, he helped them to get a ring. He was able to help them to see who they were individually and as a leader and as a team. And I think that's why we need a coach because you need somebody to help you develop yourself personally and within a group. So that's what Al Hardy is here to do. That's what I'm here to do is help you to grow personally and within your team, within your group, within your family. Go to www.mralhardy.com forward slash coaching sessions. Promo code Al's Chicken and Waffles. but it's it's men's grooming products and he's talking about his rise to uh to business and business and and even the name when we talk about chicken and waffles think about how he came up with the name so listen to this episode it's a great episode especially if you're into business what's going on everybody this is al hardy and I just want to say thank you again. Thank you for 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 uh, listening to me, coming coming to the show. And we call this Al's Chicken and Waffles. We call it Al's Chicken and Waffles. I call it Chicken and Waffles because number one, that's one of my favorite meals. But you know, when when we first when Chicken and Waffles just came onto the scene, one of the biggest things was. Uh, you know, how did chicken and waffles go together? And so it became like just a beautiful marriage of two blends of two flavors. And, you know, so, and that's what we're, we're talking about, right. Is, is about that relationship. Um, how, you know, how, uh, business comes together, how people come together and they just make a beautiful, uh, marriage, you know, not just in, on your palate, but just in life. Right. So I have one of the, I have one, a super dope dude, an entrepreneur, uh, uh, I would say he's a Renaissance man. Um, my man, Calvin Quillis, he's the, uh, the owner of Scotch Porter, uh, and he skin products is not just a, a a beard product anymore. He does uh he does skin products. So what's going on, bro? I'm good. Thanks for having me. 
No doubt, no doubt. Um, so you have a, a, a super dope uh, product, right? And it's not a product, it's a brand. And we, we, we go back. We go back and, yes. and let's and let's and let's let's do that, man. Um, because <laughs> I remember, I remember you had you had actually a, a super dope brand in the city of Newark, um, with a barber shop, and, uh, and in your barber shop you had a stage, and mm-hmm. with that you know it was it was new, it was innovative. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about how you started, right, from that yep. barber shop, and then we're going to move forward. Sure. Um, so t- taking a little bit of a step back to kind of explain how the barbershop even uh, came about. Hmm. Um, my, and I don't know if we had this conversation before, Al, but my mother owned a beauty parlor and barbershop when I was a kid. Okay. Um, we didn't. And no, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> so my mom owned a beauty parlor barbershop when I was a kid. And uh, my brother and I, we, we spent a lot of time in the shop. Uh-huh. Um, because like mom wasn't leaving two two young boys home alone by themselves, we about them all, and uh, we fought a lot. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, so so she always made sure you know while she was working in the salon, we were kind of there, you know, help clean up, sweep, you know, whatever we could do. But but what was most important is like she had a she had an eye on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my time there, I'd say, it was pretty impressionable in that. Mm-hmm. Um, Many, what I remember the most uh, from that experience, not only like watching my mom and seeing like how she had her own business, uh, and that was back in like, I'd say the late 80s. Um, so learning like sort of entrepreneurship from a very young age, mm-hmm. but also what was most memorable was like watching people come into the shop. Um, always a pretty intuitive kid in that somehow I could tell which which ones didn't necessarily feel their best, but mm-hmm. Um, they come in, sit in my mom's chair, one of the other barbers and stylist chair, um, you know, get done up, um, you, you know, we get up, look in the mirror, pop the collar, walk out with a new step. Um, yeah. So that stuck with me. I remembered it. Um, and then when I myself went off to college, um, didn't quite know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, by junior year, I thought I would have had that all figured out. Um, didn't quite have it figured out. So didn't necessarily always feel my best broke like most folks mm-hmm. um in college um but i remember like i take like the last 20 dollars i had in my pocket i'd walk into a shop every other friday get a haircut and kind of would leave the shop feeling like an entirely different person so always known that from my mom's shop mm-hmm. um you know growing up in my mom's shop and my own personal experiences when um, didn't necessarily feel my best that grooming self-care had the ability to help you feel better yeah. about yourself. Um, fast forward post-college had gotten a couple of, uh, jobs. I'd say they were pretty, pretty good jobs. Right. Um, one working at a design firm was my first job. And then the second job was working in finance at a market research firm. Um, pretty good paying jobs, but um, definitely was, I'd say, uninspiring desk jobs that um, I've always felt a little bit creative at heart. Mm-hmm. I'm not an artist. I'm not a designer. But, I, you know, I don't think creativity is just about like drawing or producing musical tracks or anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just the idea of creating something from nothing. Mm-hmm. It makes you a creative. Um, and I wasn't able to do that looking at spreadsheets every day. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
you know, felt a little bit unfulfilled, felt like I should be doing something a bit more with my life than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, every day I'd leave, you know, I'd leave, uh, leave the market research firm, um, just not feeling necessarily my best. Mm. Um, but I remember I, I take a train, get off at Broad Street train station and then transfer over to another train to get to East Orange where I live. And directly across the street from that train station was uh, a beautiful brownstone building that had eventually become center stage cuts. You know, looked at that building, remember my time as a kid at my mom's shop, remember those really good feelings that I felt, you know, walking into a barbershop on some of those horrible days. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, some of the days that I got off the train were bad days because I was unfulfilled at the job. Right. Yeah. So sort of had this correlation between the two and just said, you know what, what if I opened up a barbershop, you know? Um, and so, you know, six months later or so after like doing a little bit more research, decided to open up a shop um, and almost immediately noticed this issue that many of the guys had very dry, frizzy, damaged hair and beards. Um, again, bored with the daytime desk job, um, evenings and weekends from the kitchen of my home. I'd start to toy with ingredients, natural ingredients, and try to come up with some formulations that would solve the issues that these guys had. Um, and then I'd say over the course of about a year, year and a half, ended up creating something that they really enjoyed. And uh, there you things kind of took off from there. All right. So, so, so you, <laughs> you said so much. And um, <sighs> so, so, so we're going to, we're going we're gonna to walk this through. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, how did you get from, you know what I mean? Like, you know, cause, cause, cause what happens is I, I used to be a barber and I, and I, and I owned the shop too. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. I ever told you that. Um, yep. but, yep. uh, how did you get from the feeling of what it is that you felt, uh, in your mom's shop, um, salon and just, and, and to the tangible, you know what I mean? Um, because you know, a lot of people feel something, they have an idea for, for certain things, but how did you get from there to that, to that space of owning the barbershop? You know, like what, what was that, what was that process like? So, I mean, I think at that time, I think I felt like I was approaching 30. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I felt like I was approaching 30 and I've always, um, I've always felt that I was supposed to be doing something more. I always felt that um, you know, this, this, there's other things that I, that I should be doing or, or, or attacking or going after. And, and, you know, sort of like, you know, how we all have these self-limiting beliefs where we're like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, should I really be doing this? Am I, you know, am I smart enough to, to go out and try something on my own? Should I, should I really be taking this sort of risk? And I think as I was approaching 30, I was like, bro, you've had 105 million ideas that you've never, um, you know, you, you've never went after because of these sort of self-limiting beliefs. And mm. I kind of had like this moment in my life where I was like, okay, so the next time that I have an idea, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot because mm. obviously I'm not happy where I'm at. I'm not happy with what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm getting paid. Um, you know, yeah, I'm making money. I think I was making like six figures that, you know, before I was 30, Mm -hmm. but it was still, it was unfulfilling, you Mm -hmm. know, it, I was miserable. Right. Um, and so I made a conscious decision that the next idea that I felt really passionate about that I was going to go after it. And again, you know, getting off the train every day, 
um, not necessarily feeling good. Remember the correlation of like what I felt like, what I feel like every time I get a haircut, remembering that my mom owned the shop, remembering the good times there. And then just, I think it was just like a serendipitous moment where like, you know, I seen this building and it just all came together and it all made sense. You know? I, feel, I feel you. So, so and, and, and one thing being in the, the beauty salon, mm-hmm. barbershop business, it, it's a tough business, you know, like mm-hmm. even when we think about what's happening now and they're closing, uh, yeah. you know, barbershops, um, what 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 happens is is that uh you know when you're dealing with barbers and mm-hmm. and like and, and th- this is the question i really have right you coming from you know a professional background mm-hmm. um then you have to deal with barbers there's mm-hmm. not a lot of pd professional development right? no. mm-hmm. so so how did you how were you able to manage that? Like, you know, cause getting into the barber business, you know, there's a million and one different barbershops that people could go to. Um, yeah. then you have to hire barbers that kind of fit under what it is that you want to do. And mm-hmm. then a lot of them, you know, they're, they're skilled at what they want to do, but a lot of them mm-hmm. don't really have that. They polished as a professional. How, how was how that managing that? Um, I would say it was an adjustment, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, initially, you know, going into, um, you know, uh, starting a barbershop, you know, I put together a plan. I went to school for business, so I put together a business plan and, you know, put together some projections and uh-huh. sort of this is how it's going to work out, commissions, you know, these sort of commissions and all these wonderful plans that you put into place. Um, and then when you kind of get, when you kind of get in it, you know, things begin to level set a bit and Mm -hmm. you realize that like (laughs) a lot of the stuff that you had in your plans don't necessarily, isn't going to necessarily work Mm -hmm. Um, and work for, uh, you know, a a couple of reasons. One, it's, you know, it's it's the environment in Mm -hmm. in which you're operating, right? Um, It's the people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I've had to learn to kind of make adjustments, Mm -hmm. um, you know, make adjustments to the plan. Um, and then there's some things that you won't sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, um, you know, so, so, like professionalism, right? Mm-hmm. Like when a customer walks in, like we shouldn't be having on headphones, um, you know, no cursing, like that kind of stuff. I was, I wasn't willing to sacrifice, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, regardless of the environment or people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, cause I feel like, you know, when you come into an establishment, um, and you're paying your money for a service and, um, you know, it, this particular service, you know, at this establishment might cost more than going around the corner. Like you should get value for your money. And part of value is like coming into a nice atmosphere mm-hmm. where you can bring your kids, um, you know, you feel comfortable, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that kind of thing. So I didn't sacrifice on that, but I did have to bend on you know, a lot, a lot of things that I, that I had in the business plan that didn't quite work out. So it's adjustment, but in any business, there's always adjustment. You put a plan together, you think that things are going to work out a certain way and it almost never does. And it requires you to be like a really creative problem solver um, and know how to consistently pivot. 
Yeah. Um, yep. And I, I love that word pivot. We're going to, we're going to go back to that in, mm-hmm. in a few. Um, one, one more thing, when we're talking about mm-hmm. the barbershop, because you had mm-hmm. one of the most, I would say innovative type of shops when uh, with a, a stage, like in, in the daytime, uh, you know, everybody could come and get, get a haircut. But then in the evening, you would have like live events. Like, you know, you would have a band, you know, mm-hmm. open mic. Like it, it was, it was things like that. How mm-hmm. did you come up with that concept? Um, so I, I think when I seen, um, you know, when I told you I get off the train every day, I'd see this brownstone building. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I honestly, I, I didn't have an interest to do something that was the same as what everyone else was doing. So it's like, okay, I'm going to open up a barbershop. Again, bored with the daytime desk job, always felt like I was, you know, creative at heart. And so I'm going to do something different, mm-hmm. right? The barbershop has always, in my mind, has always been like this melting pot of different people. And it always felt like community. It always felt, you know, it always felt like community to me. So I figured, you know, how can we utilize this space to not just be, um, you know, a place where guys come and get haircuts, mm-hmm. um, but, but more of a cultural hub. And, and so, you know, when I, when I first saw the building, that's kind of what, what came to mind. I, you know, I love music. I love live music. I love, uh, I love art. Um, it's just a culmination of like the things I love, but also really utilizing the shop as, as sort of a cultural hub. Okay. You know, yeah, no, that's good. So, how did that did that translate in sales? Uh, uh, did it did translate it, in sales? Well, in, in in business, like you know, um, and people coming more that like you know. So, if they would come in the evening to an event, mm-hmm. would that say would that person that came to the event come either the next day or a couple of weeks later and say, "I was here, I want to get a haircut"? Did that trans? Was there any translation in that? Not immediately. Um, I mean, for some time it took, you know, it took a while, um, you know, for that translation to actually happen. Um, and listen, part of it is, you know, as, as brothers, right. We, you know, our haircut uh, lineup, uh, is, is critical, mm-hmm. very important. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, and we're, we're very dedicated to our barbers. And so, you know, to like, make a change, um, you know, to the barber that you've probably been with, you know, five, 10 years based on like a really cool atmosphere. Isn't, um, it isn't easy. It's not an easy switch. Right. So, um, you know, so what, what I think it did though, is it at least because we were, we were cutting like, so the guys were, you know, back there, like chopping it up and cutting during events. Mm -hmm. I think what it did though is it allowed folks to discover this this new space, mm-hmm. right? Um, and discover it from the, you know, they, they didn't necessarily, some of the first folks that came there didn't necessarily come for a haircut, mm-hmm. but it allowed them to come to the space, enjoy themselves. Because people, people, you understand, people will remember how you made them feel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so it allowed them to come into this space, have a good time, uh, you know, leave with these good feelings, but also, you know, at the back, they can see like barbers cutting, um, you know, they can see like, they can see a guy get getting up from the chair and he has a nice cut. So I think it took some time, just like any business takes time, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. To, um, 
you know, to, to, to build a customer base. And it also happened that, you know, the shop was sort of like off the beaten path, right? It wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't super central, wasn't uh broader market street. Mm. Um, you know, so folks had to, the only way that you knew that that shop existed is if you literally walk past the shop or someone told you about the shop mm. and, and to walk past that shop where it was located, um, just didn't necessarily happen. So it was more of a word of mouth thing. So I think the events definitely helped, um, to build sort of brand awareness or awareness, but it just took some time. That's dope. So, yep. so now I remember right being mm-hmm. at, at an event in the evening, mm-hmm. uh, at mm-hmm. the shop and you, you, you had these products that you were selling, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, where, where I guess where people would kept, where you would kept, uh, collect the money, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, the product that you had was the beard bomb and it was mm-hmm. called nude. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So what was that transition like? And like, what caused you to think of that, you know, uh, of doing something for, for men's beards? Um, I mean, just like being in the shop. Right. Um, and noticing that at that time, um, you know, beards were becoming like a thing, like mm-hmm. just as you sit in the shop and you would see guys coming in. Right. And, Many of them had beards and many of them didn't look like good beards. Right. And knowing that most people at that time, there weren't like what products were on the market for like multicultural or textured hair, textured beards. There there really wasn't anything. Um, So just being just uh, it's insight. Right. Noticing, you know, noticing, you know, a trend or noticing certain things and like, oh, but wait, what are they using? Oh, they're not using anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. What if we created something and we have, you know, what if we created something and we have like sort of the perfect uh, incubator or testing ground because we're a shop. So, yeah. we, you know, I, we can I, we can create something. We can hand it to the barbers. The barbers can, can use it on the customers. The customers can almost give you immediate feedback. Um, um, so it's just it's, it's insight, just noticing a trend with the guys that walking in the shop. Many of them have beards, and that's and, and and so one of the things is is that I think that's key because for me, um, when 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 you had new right and when you created it, uh, mm-hmm. you was ahead of the curve, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really see too many uh, beard uh, lines like I see now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think you you being a part of you know the barbershop culture. Like you said, it helped you to to see where everything was going. You see the trend of where everything was going, um, mm-hmm. but uh, so then, uh, but you also had products for 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 your hair, right? Yeah, I, I remember we, that also. And yeah, it was like and, one product, I think, like a hair hair balm. Yeah, and that was mm-hmm. that, and that was actually excellent. Um, and I I, I want to say this right as it pertains to that. Uh, for me, I was going through a lot. Uh, personally around that time uh, divorce mm-hmm. uh, just you know rediscovering myself and that product that that you that you was in the creation of and uh, that you made mm-hmm. um, I was using it and I was so stressed that you know I, I was losing my hair and things like that but I started to use use the product started exercising started to eat right you know I started to see my hair start to grow because of that product um so awesome. i, I want to say i want to say thank you for 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 that you know um 
and then and and then when when we think about new right uh Mm -hmm. you started to change you changed the name from new Mm -hmm. to scotch porter what was that process yeah so um i mean when you know when we started when i first started making the products and you know using them in the shop and you know handing them off to customers you know it was just it was a thing it was you know getting bored with the daytime desk job uh really just noticed an issue trying to solve the issue of the folks that you know visited our shop Mm -hmm. um and then when i realized you know hey we have something here there's interest they like the products it's like okay so what next Mm -hmm. you know um is this is this going to be a product that just sits in you know, in, in center stage cuts, the name of the barbershop, mm-hmm. um, or is this something that could be, could be bigger? Um, and, um, I, you know, just based on like feedback from customers, based on folks actually buying the product, mm-hmm. we realized that it could be something bigger. Um, and so, you know, the name nude, um, you know, if you do a search online for it, cause we, at that time we decided to start a, you know, website. So folks were coming into the shop, purchasing products. We even had people coming in from uh, neighboring states like New York and Connecticut to purchase the products. Um, And so we decided to make things a bit more convenient for them to launch a dot com. Mm -hmm. Right. So now they can place their orders online. We can ship the orders out. Um, They no longer had to travel to the shop. Mm -hmm. Um, Starting a dot com, you know, obviously realized very early on that like if folks are searching for nude by center stage cuts, they're probably, you know, getting some you know getting con- <laughs> content that ain't safe for work right yeah, yeah, yeah. so um <laughs> you know kind of almost immediately knew that that wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna work and you know had to think bigger and um you know and that's when we started to to really sit down and think about what this thing could be what the mission is you know how we're gonna utilize the brand to impact people's lives mm-hmm. um and it you know, the name Scotch Porter came about by me just sitting down at my desk and just writing like all the things that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, um, you know, Scotch was a was a beverage that I that I loved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, not so much anymore. Okay. Um, and then uh, Gregory Porter, jazz musician, amazing voice. Oh, um, that's my boy. You know, yeah. So. <laughs> the culmination of the things that I loved um, and it just seemed to work. It sounds like a great men's grooming brand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So wearing the black men are dope and black women are dope shirts has been pretty amazing. Like I would walk around and people would look at my shirt and there are some people who looked very uncomfortable, but then there were people who were nodding in agreement and that just boosted up this sense of pride that I have of being a strong black woman as well as being having having strong black men in my life and I just want to share that message with the world and a lot of the times we think that we can only share that message from verbally you know talking about our black our black men and black women being so dope but you know what I can share that message without even opening my mouth and saying the word, I just put the shirt on and walk around and let the and I let the fashion speak for itself. Go to www.mrihardy.com forward slash shop and put in the promo code Chicken and Waffles. When you think about, you know, uh, Gregory Porter and Scotch, you know, 
it gives you a certain type of feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yep. Um, now there's a story that you had talked, you had told me, um, you, you, you were saying that you was, uh, selling the product in, in the barbershop. Yep. You were selling the bar- um, product in the barbershop and, mm-hmm. uh, you had gave it to somebody, uh, I believe. Uh-huh. And you said it started to take off. And this was like, uh, in the midst of when IG was started to roll. Can you share mm-hmm. that? Can you share that story? Um, I mean, we shared it with, uh, so back, back then, right. We, you know, we started the, the thing in a barbershop. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any money, right. Mm-hmm. I just started center stage cuts. All my money was, <laughs> was, was placed into center stage cuts. I had other responsibilities, like mm-hmm. I had a home and all that other stuff. So didn't really have much money to market the products. Um, at the time, um, you know, I started, we, what we started to do is like get the products in the hands. So I'd like literally go on Instagram. Instagram was, was pretty new then, mm-hmm. um, would go on Instagram, um, you know, would find guys that had, I thought had good looking beards, you know, had, you know, decent following, um, you know, had pretty, pretty good engagement, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I would then, you know, I'd, I'd reach out to them in their DMs and offer to, you know, ship some product for free in exchange for, you know, uh, honest review. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time that wasn't, you know, now it's called influencer marketing. Yeah, at yeah. that time, it, it, there wasn't a name for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just creatively, how can I get the product in folks' hands and, you know, get people to come to our dot com order and to me, you know, that that's what I figured out. It's now called influencer marketing. And yeah. now it's not easy to do. Like you can't just send people product for free and ask to do a review. You gotta pay you gotta pay five hundred thousand dollars for a post. <laughs> so um pretty fortunate then um to be able to do that. And so yeah, we reached out to you know hundreds of guys, got the product in their hand, you know, had them do reviews. Um and then, you know, I'd say the first person that I gave it to, it might've been like Chris classic. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, gave him the product, asked him to do a review at the time, didn't know that I would get any sales from it, but just figured I'd give it a shot and almost immediately noticed like, Oh, after this, after he did a review, I got like six purchases on our dot com. At mm-hmm. the time I knew it was coming from him cause we weren't getting any sales. Yeah. Um, and so kind of just doubled, tripled up on on what was working at the time. Um, and then I was able to, you know, always take a, a crawl, walk, run approach. And then I was able to, to take some dollars um, and invest in Facebook ads. Okay. Oh, um, so, so, so yeah. uh, what, what, what is that? What, what was that process like? You know, cause I know a lot of people, uh, they do try to think about marketing uh, techniques, marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, and how how did that work for you, um, moving from influencers to Facebook ads? Um, I would say, I mean, it it felt at that time, you know, I think the first, I think the the least amount that I could spend because I had to work with an agency because I didn't know anything about Facebook ads. I think at the time it was pretty new. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, so I worked with this agency and I remember them saying like, oh, you have to at least invest. I think it was five thousand dollars. Right. You got to at least invest five thousand dollars because anything less than that, you know, uh, you aren't going to really see a return. You'll be wasting money. 
And then I, I think their fee at that time was like $1,500 a month. And that was a lot of money, yeah. right? Still um, is. That was a lot of money. That was a <laughs> lot of money. Um, but, you know, um, you know, just took a, a, a crawl, walk, run approach when I was able to, you know, when, when the site, when we started having like sales of like, you know, close to $10,000 just on what's influencer marketing with what they call influencer marketing today. I was like, okay, I'm going to leverage, um, you know, if we want to continue to see this grow, I'm going to, I have to test new and different things because mm. this, you know, influencer marketing is, it isn't scalable. It's just me reaching out to people. I can't really grow a business this way. Mm. So I took, you know, first $5,000, uh, invested in some Facebook ads with an agency, um, and, uh, you know, seeing really, really great results. And at that time, Facebook ads were amazing. You know, I, we would we would invest a dollar and see like five dollars in return. Mm. Right. So that first five thousand dollars that we invested, I think we seen like thirty thousand dollars in return that, you know, that month. Wow. Um, that ain't happening anymore. Right. <laughs> You'd be happy. You'd be glad to see a one times return on um, ad spend right now. But um, mm. that time it did work. And so, um, you know, we doubled and tripled up on what was working. And it was the start of like really seeing real traction with the brand. Now, 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 now that's, mm-hmm. that's dope. Now, th- now, when we talk about marketing, I, mm-hmm. I believe that you also have for, for me uh, what it is, I, your email marketing. Um mm-hmm. How did you go about that, you know, and how do you engage with your, your, your customers uh, with with your email marketing? Um, so we so we do a bunch of I mean, we do a bunch of a bunch of different things. The brand is technically about five years old, going on five years old now. And so wow. our uh, channel mix has evolved, um, mm. you know, and, um, you know, so, so it's not just email marketing. It is, you know, it continues to be paid social. Mm-hmm. We do SMS now. Okay. Um, we do have, you know, offline events. Um, you know, it, there's, there's a bunch of different sort of channels and triggers to pull at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but email marketing is really great from the standpoint of, um, you know, stay on top of mind with your customers, continuing to get the message out, you mm-hmm. know, value proposition of the brand. Um, and, you know, just in terms of thinking about how you build a business, you know, build and repeat business email is a wonderful tool. It's your least expensive tool, um, has the, has the most return on your investment, um, and can be a really good weapon in terms of, um, um, you know, reaching your customer, delivering value and building a profitable, sustainable business. And and, and I've been enjoying like i've been reading the uh the emails that you've been sending well the company's been sending um as it pertains to what's been happening especially with this COVID 19 um mm-hmm. and i i just want to know like so does that deepen the engagement so for instance and what, what i mean by that is that you know um i buy a product right and i buy mm-hmm. it let's just say i buy it from target but mm-hmm. because i'm a part of your email uh, i'm on your email list uh, now you could keep me abreast of all of the the products, and then I could I could keep in contact with you. Um, mm-hmm. Is is there a what's the best way that customers keep in contact with you as it pertains to your marketing? 
Yeah, so I mean, I think email is obviously a, a, a really good tool to do that. I mm-hmm. mean, social is, you know, Instagram is is Instagram and Facebook and some of those other channels are also really good ways for customers to kind of stay in contact, know what's going on with the brand. Mm-hmm. Also allows us the opportunity to to reach out to customers, um, you know, to get messages out that we feel are important, we feel would resonate with the customers. Mm-hmm. Um and I think what I'm most excited about is, um, you know, when we're leveraging these channels like email or Instagram, um, is that it's our opportunity to fulfill our mission, which is, you know, helping men to look and feel their best, um, you know, uh, live their best, most fulfilled lives, really arming guys with the tools and information to be able to do that. Um, and email um, and paid social and uh, Instagram and you know, some of these other channels allow us the opportunity to do that. Um, and a good example is like during what, you know, what's, what, what's happening now that's super unfortunate for many people. And I'm, I'm sure it's affecting the lives of, um, you know, our loved ones, our family, our friends, friends of the family. Um, you know, our thought is like, how, what, what can we do as a brand to, um, you know, to, 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 to continue to have dialogue with our customers to make them, you know, feel a little bit better. And one of the things that we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago is like, you know, people are at home, um, not quite sure what, you know, not quite sure when this thing is going to end, but mm-hmm. what can we do to keep people sane? Um, and because our focus for a very long time and, and you can probably attest to that, you know, with some of the emails that you get or when customers place an order, the manuals that are on the box mm-hmm. is we really talk about holistically helping men to feel good. Mm. Right. So it's not just about like throwing, you know, putting the cream in your hair or beard or, you know, ro- uh, you know, washing our face, washing your face with our face wash. But, um, you know, what other things can you do to, to feel your best? So we we have talks with guys about fitness and, you know, eating right and a whole holistic uh, approach to like what we call internal external wellness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, we're using the opportunity to have um, and talk to our customers about, for example, last week we had a groomer, Darius um, Davy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he did a live, he did a, a takeover on our Instagram where he gave guys, um, you know, tips and tricks on how to how to take care of themselves and how to, you know, how to sharpen up like their lines and, um, you know, at home, because most folks, nobody can, ver- can visit a, a shop, but we know like taking care of yourself and, um, you know, grooming can have a positive impact on how you feel. And so, you know, what he did is he gave guys tips and tricks on, you know, what, what, um, what sort of clippers they should be using, how to, how, how to, you know, um, how to sh- how to sharpen up like their necklines and yeah. um, that kind of thing, right? Um, yeah. And then this week we have actually tomorrow we have Blaine Fit um, fitness guy doing an ab workout. Um, he's taking over um, our live, our, our Instagram live to um, you know teach guys how to do at home routines okay. um, to stay to stay fit. Um, we're also doing something with. Um, we're going to have a meditation session with a very popular, um, a very popular meditation wellness um, business out of Brooklyn. Okay. So they'll be taking over our live to, you know, show guys how, uh, how to meditate at home and kind of get their, their mental in check. 
Um, we're going to be doing something with, um, I can't give out names yet, but <laughs> we're going to be doing a cooking demonstration, okay. healthy, yummy cooking demonstration. Um, where uh, they're going to be taking over our live and giving guys tips and tricks on, you know, how to eat healthy and put together, you know, healthy meals. Um, I have a recipe that we shared. Um, I think it was last week. It was a banana smoothie, Irish sea moss recipe. Okay. So just thinking about a bunch of different ways that we can, you know, with all that's going on, knowing that guys are home, um, knowing that, you know, there's mental stress and, and, uh, anxiety and just a bunch of other things that, that, that are occurring right now. How can we deliver value? How can we help our guys? And so mm. we'll be, um, releasing a bunch of content to at least help people get through. That's dope, man. That's part dope. of the days. We, yep. we, we, we got, we got to talk about trying to get me on, on, we, we could talk about purpose, man. You know, one yes. of these days I'm, I'm, I'm yes, uh, yes, you yes. know, we, we could talk offline about that. I want to, yes. I want to mention one more thing. I want to mention uh -huh. one more thing. Um, during this time though, um, you mm -hmm. guys, I mean, I, you guys are in target, right? Um, yes. and I mean, this is a unfortunate time, but for business, you know, people are able still to get your product, um, mm -hmm. in, in target, correct? Yeah. Um, so we launched in target about four weeks ago. Um, you know, I'd say that yes, target, you know, target, they still sell grocery items. So people are still visiting target for groceries and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say probably people are less, inclined to go visit a target to go pick up a scotch border product yeah, yeah, yeah. um right because like uh i gotta go in there for essentials uh you know not necessarily going in there for um you know grooming products with that being said though we are seeing you know folks are still going into stores and picking up our products and so um we're still fortunate for that yeah. but um yeah, yeah. and and i yep. I, I mentioned that because when I when I when I go to Target, you know, I, uh -huh. I still want to keep my beard <laughs> as clean, especially mm -hmm. in this climate, as possible. You know what I mean? Um, and not just the beard, like the skin. So, and I know yeah. you guys offer all different types of skin products. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And in and in this climate, we have to stay groomed. You know, yep. as best as possible. So this, uh, that when you so when you're in Target, there's definitely an option. So Kyle, yeah. I know you have to go. So I know you have to go. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything thank that you've you been doing, man. Um, yo, just continue to keep it up, and um, yo, just blessings upon blessings upon blessings, man. Yes. Well, thank you, thank you for having me and and giving me the opportunity to share. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So, so go ahead, do what you got to do, man. Have a great one, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks man. a lot. No doubt. Take care. All right. Clean on the inside, clean on the outside. Clean on the inside, clean on the outside. Yo, this was a super dope episode with my man, Cal. Um, look, I hope that you are learning a lot, especially in, in this marketing area. If you're in business, this is something that you should get a pen and a pad. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.